uh, and I participated uh, in uh, different contests up here earlier in my uh, in my life. Um, but to me, Scott, I don't know if you agree with this. Aesthetically, the guys today do not look as good as they did back in the seventies and eighties. No, nope. what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Not even close. Because even though maybe without drugs, it was not not. But as a kid in the eighties, you thought that you know a physique like Arnold's or Stallone's or Lou's, you you at least had some concept that that was obtainable. And these guys today, these young folks that are looking up to whoever is competing today, it's just obviously a drug show. It's all about the drugs. You mentioned the synthol thing with the current winner. Was it not like something injected into his lats? And and what exactly is synthol? What does that do for you? Yeah, well, this is this is a, a compound that guys are using. Not everybody uses it, but it's pretty obvious when some of the bodybuilders are using this. Uh, a synthol is a site enhancement oil, and it's uh, used by some bodybuilders to inject into their already huge muscles and make them look even bigger. Now, it's comprised of 85% oil, 7.5% benzyl alcohol, and 7.5% lidocaine. So it's a compound that different bodybuilders will sometimes inject um uh now the problem here with this this oil synthol is that it, it can cause uh, infection nerve damage and even uh, blood vessels um it, it enlarges the muscle momentarily or temporarily but it actually in the long term it actually weaken them it takes about five to seven years to metabolize now scott on instagram i'm not sure if you're aware of this there's a guy in Russia, he's known in the Rush as the Russian Popeye bodybuilder. Yep. His name is Kirill Tereshin. Have you seen pictures of this I guy? I have. I've seen like little videos of the guy. And of course, his arms don't match the rest of his body whatsoever, and it's obviously does not look real at all. But what ended up happening to that guy? Yeah, uh, uh, Kirill Tereshin was the, the Russian Popeye bodybuilder. He, his arms went from sixteen to twenty-four inch overnight. And probably within a few weeks because he kept on injecting this oil it, only into his arms. So you actually look like Popeye. And it's sad, yeah. though, but his doctors had to remove, you know, doctors had to actually remove about three pounds of dead muscle. Um, you know, he could have killed himself. There, there have been some cases where different guys have used synthol, um, and uh, they've actually died. One guy actually had one of, had to uh, get an amputation on one of his arms. And... Uh, Mm. But this guy in Russia actually had a huge Instagram account, 300,000 followers. But, you know, he could have died or lost an arm. You know, it's crazy what's going on. I'm curious. You know, I've always heard of certain shows tested for drugs. I guess there is no test for synthol. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think, um, I don't, in these, these um, top pro shows, I don't think there's any testing going on. Um, there can't be. I mean, no question it's being used and uh, yeah, you know true. it created a lot of controversy you know it did create some controversy in this year's show some people thought that uh the previous winner had he chopin chupin uh, rather should have won and uh you know he took, took his medal off walked off stage kind of upset and one of the one of the top guys favored to, to well, come on top this year nick walker didn't even show up because he blew a hamstring you know some of these guys are training too heavy and uh you know it's just um the sport is just not what it used to be in my view. I, I guess it's as controversial or maybe not as controversial as 
of course, the 1980 Mr. Olympia. There, there was a show <laughs> just didn't turn out like, you know, was expected exactly. And I believe originally it was going to be aired by CBS. They never aired it. I've heard Arnold tried to buy all the footage to keep it from ever being aired. But this really sparked the, yeah. the big rivalry between Mike Mincer, of course, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They trained completely different. Tell us a little bit about what happened in 1980. Well, yeah, it's interesting you raise that because guys are still talking. Bodybuilding <laughs> fans around the world are still talking about what happened back in 1980. That's like 43, 44 years ago. Yeah, yeah many were surprised when a subpar Arnold showed up in 1980. Uh, many people thought he was done with bodybuilding. He won six titles by 75. And, uh, of course, 1980 shows up, a subpar Arnold, and, and, and beats out Mike Mentzer. And a lot of people thought Mike should have won that show. Um, and Mike himself, on records, thought the, 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 um, that that contest was rigged. And, you know, there's many others thought that also. I'm not sure myself. But um, now, like you said earlier, um, Behind all this was the fact that Mike Menser and Arnold Schwarzenegger had totally different training philosophies. Arnold was a classic golden era high volume trainer, whereas Mike Menser came up with a less is more high intensity training approach. Now he, he detailed all of this in his book, High Intensity Training the Mike Menser Way. You know, and Scott, you know, he had a bit of cult following after all that, but uh, you know, sadly, that Mike died 49 years old of heart complications in 2001 and uh, how tragic his brother Ray died just a few weeks after that. Yeah, he sure tried. did. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they are still talked about a lot in training circles. People talk about the way Mike Mincer. I still see new YouTube videos and stuff about Mike Mincer's training. Just, I mean, like some of his workouts were like 15 and 17 minutes long and he was done like three times a week. Yeah, I know he had totally different uh, training approach. A lot of these guys, uh, especially Golden Era guys like Gold, uh, Arnold, were in the gym about two hours a week. Uh, sorry, two hours a day. Sometimes twice, twice a day, and every day, six, seven days a week. Um, you know, so uh, Mike really uh, brought a, a new way of uh, thinking uh, with, with training. But he his his shots were just over the top. And it was go to your. Day. It was high intensity, you know, and plus another fifty percent. So Mike uh, Mike Menser was uh, has not been forgotten, you know. Nope. Even though he never really uh, won a, a pro title, as far as I remember. Um, nope, I at don't. At least he didn't win in nineteen eighty. He might have got a universe or something, but I don't think he ever competed after nineteen eighty. Love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know Sean that he should have won that. The legs really weren't there. Um, I think the decision to compete in 1980 was he was training really hard for the Conan film. And he just thought he could do both things at one time. And it's funny that his fiance, uh, Shriver was like the only person that knew he was going to enter. He was traveling to South Africa that year to, uh, to be an announcer. And he kept it completely secret but i just think once he had retired there in 75 that he just he did i guess he just wasn't training enough to keep his size and it really showed by the time he showed up in 80 yeah 1980 um 
our subpar Arnold showed up, but uh, in my view, he still was probably the best uh, best bodybuilder on stage. You know, he had genetics, and he still had uh, retained some size from those earlier years. Yeah. Uh, no, Scott, we're going to, have to talk about 1981, of course, another controversial Mr. Olympia contest result. You remember that one when Franco Colombo beat out Tom Platts? Yeah, and, uh, and that probably was. In in my recollection, the only time Tom Platts really got close to winning the thing. Yeah, 81, no question, was Tom's best year. And nobody ever came close to Tom Platts' leg development. Now, mm -mm. Even to this day, in, in my view. You know, he was criticized back then for lacking the upper body development. Of course, by 82, he tore his bicep. And, uh, you know, he never regained that look he had in 81. But uh, uh, Franco, 181, he was strong. He could deadlift 750, 655 squat, 525 bench. He was actually stronger than Arnold, who could deadlift 710, squat 545, and bench 500 pounds. You know, but uh, Arnold won a lot of shows just based on his 22-inch his biceps. Nobody, nobody ever really had a, a peak like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, nobody. Robbie Robinson had a good peak, but Arnold... Was the, and the, and Franco uh, and Arnold, of course, were training partners. So it's kind of wild that Arnold wins eighty, and then Franco turns around. Probably one of the shortest uh, Mister Olympians of all time wins in eighty one. Um, my favorite thing you mentioned, Tom Platts, is you know one of the greatest things he had was his attitude, because I've seen numerous yeah. interviews with Tom, and they ask him about, they try to drag him off into the nineteen eighty, the controversy of it. And he's like, look, Arnold yep. is the greatest of all time, and he's just, he never goes negative about it. I just really respect the guy. No, yeah, he had charisma. Tom Platts was great in interviews, honest. Uh, you know, he's up front about his, uh, some of his steroid use. Everybody knew, you know, what was going on there. So um, Tom Platts, you know, he, he wrote a book. He was, uh, he, even though he never won, you know, he, put, he, he left his mark in, in the sport of bodybuilding, no question. Uh, no doubt. Uh, but, uh, of course, by the 1980s, of course, Lee Haney dominated from 84 to 91. And then, uh, Scott, I don't know if you recall, by 92, everything changed when uh, Dorian won six times in a row. And um, you know, something I want to mention today, Scott, you know, it really was the drugs that determined the look of the different eras. You'll notice that in your bodybuilding magazines, by 1992, rather, the look of the guys really changed. And, you know, by that time, the top bodybuilders in the sport sport were using um, not only the golden era uh, steroids guys were using, but they're also using synthetic GH and insulin. And that, that, that was one of the reasons why um, the guys in the 90s look really different. It wasn't, that it wasn't that they were training any harder or training smarter. You know, they could actually train harder and heavier because of the science, because, you know, because of the drugs, and which allowed them to train harder. But... Um, what are your thoughts of, the, of that era in the nineties? You know, I, I probably quit following it by 94, 95 really closely, but you're right. The, the drugs available definitely influence the different ones about the le time Lee Haney gets out. That's kind of the end of the classic era. I was always curious how these guys ever got to the point. They were like a Ronnie Coleman of that because Probably the expense of this, Sean, is probably ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars a month in drugs in nineteen ninety-five money. 
uh, to, to look yep. like the top guys did. I don't even know how, how you attain that. No, no, the numbers were up the charts. I got, I've got some pretty good sources that tell me some of the top guys were taking at least 100,000 U.S. in the early 2000s. I don't know about the 90s. Oh, um, my gosh. It was just crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's a kind of interesting. Another, another uh, controversial year was in 97, of course, when Dorian won his, won his sixth title. And he, he beat out uh, Nasser El Sambadi. It's not a very uh, well-known name in, in some circles, but if you're in, if you know bodybuilding, you know you know that name Nasser El Sambadi. He's considered to be the uncrowned uh, body um, champion of uh, 1997. Everybody thought he should have won that show. Uh, sadly, uh, Nasser died in his sleep in uh, 2013 of uh, heart failure. You know, another sad uh, ending of. Uh, Premature death in the sport of bodybuilding, 47 years old, waiting for a heart transplant. But the interesting thing about 97, if you look at the photos, Dorian was, was clearly had a torn bicep. And they still, you know, the rest, the rest of his physique was, 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 was really good. But his one side, he clearly had a, a depleted bicep. And he was strong in his prime. He could bench press 425, eight reps. You know, another, another very powerful bodybuilder. And, um, but by the early 2000s, as you mentioned, Ronnie Coleman, you know, Ronnie really uh, owned the first decade in 2000. And uh, the rivalry back then, of course, was between Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler. There's another interesting, another interesting rivalry and in different training philosophies. Ronnie was, you know, Ronnie was from another world. He could squat 800 pounds, two reps. He was more of like a power lifter. Yeah. You know, it's kind of sad. Now he can hardly walk. Have you seen some of the footage of uh, Ronnie trying to get around in a walker? Oh, I follow both of them online religiously. And Jay walks around, is in great physical shape. And Ronnie can't hardly walk. I mean, you know, uh, Ronnie, of course, was a police officer about five hours from where I live. And when he, when he was starting to win the Olympia and worked out in like an unair conditioned gym somewhere there in dallas i mean just i mean like torture or something to work out in the place old school yeah <laughs> that's very, old school training very very old school big time you know it's funny you mentioned the, well, uh, the mentioned- you mentioned the torn and depleted bicep where dorian still won I, you know the same thing happened to tom platts don't sean typically these guys they keep that a secret right they still often try to go on and compete and pose in a way that doesn't highlight the torn arm yeah when they're doing a side bicep you're gonna you're gonna choose a side that's that's, uh that's not uh depleted right so um you know but uh back to ronnie you know he's uh still getting around with a walker but uh one of the things that jy jay cutler is is walking around like as you mentioned uh, earlier uh, is because he was a he was a high volume trainer he didn't train that heavy you know probably saved him some surgeries Ronnie had thirteen surgeries you know in his mm-hmm. hips and lower back and his neck you know it's sad but uh, apparently Ronnie's okay with everything he said his greatest regret is that he didn't get more reps on that famous eight hundred pound squat <laughs> set that's going viral on YouTube you know it was great you know this is the mindset Scott I got I got to see this. This is actually the mindset. This is this is my mindset when I was a bodybuilder. A lot of bodybuilders will go till the wheels fall off. They don't care. They're going to take do whatever it takes to win. You know, there was a survey back in the '80s. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The the, um, the Goldman survey, and apparently um, there was a survey, and some top class athletes were were given a question, 
question was this. If you were given a drug that would allow you to win your sport, but the consequence would be that you'd be dead in five years, over 50% of these world-class athletes said that they would do it. You know, this is the mindset. This is the warrior mindset mm-hmm. of a lot of them. My favorite of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think the guy just took bodybuilding as far as you could possibly take it. He was still, he defines the golden era. Then he goes on and creates his own bodybuilding competitions. I know the Arnold classic is coming up in Ohio here in, in a few months and beats the bodybuilding thing. Then he goes on, does the, the champions, the top paid movie star in the world and then becomes a politician. There's really nothing the guy can't do. Who's your favorite bodybuilder, Sean? Yeah, my favorite is uh, Steve Reeves. I think he is the ultimate uh, greatest all-time bodybuilder because he didn't use steroids. I think that's pretty classic. But uh, let's get into that in a minute. I want to go back to Arnold, though. That's a very interesting thing you said there about Arnold. Arnold is actually, come to think of it, he's the only bodybuilder who really transcended the sport like nobody else he not only got in the movies i mean steve reeves got in the movies also i think dave draper maybe a few others but not many but then arnold not only only does that he also becomes governor of california between 2003 to 2011 like you know that's pretty amazing that he uh he was able to pull out all that off you know but uh i'm not sure if you're you probably know arnold Arnold uh, better than I do, but apparently it took, he was told uh, when he started getting movies that he had no chance. He had no chance oh, to yeah. film stuff. He was too big. His name, his last name was too long, too hard to pronounce. And his accent was terrible. He was told all those things would stop him from ever being a movie star. The other guys you mentioned mainly played like Hercules films. It's kind of like these bodybuilders as they would progress in their career in movies the current one of the day, the Steve Reed, they would just replace each other as, you know, like you change James Bond's out. You That would be the next Hercules of the time. But Arnold goes farther than that. You know, he made a lot of movies where he didn't have his shirt off. And boy, I don't think yeah. any other bodybuilders could ever, you know, say that that had been part of their movie career. Yeah, no question. Well, I mean, Arnold's big break, I think, was probably in 82. Of course, there was Pumping Iron in 77, but uh, Conan the Barbarian, I think, came out in 82. And that, to me, I think that was his first big film. And then, of course, 84, Terminator 1. Yep. And then, Scott, you know you know what I'm going to say next. Terminator 2, well, obviously, was Arnold's most successful movie at the box office. I think it grossed something like $550 million dollars. And uh, that, that to me is, is, is his best movie. I know you and I went back and forth in this. <laughs> oh, it's before. really good. It's, it's timeless. It's amazing. The effects in Terminator two. I mean, of course, you know, you know, I love it. I have a fat boy Harley, just like the one he rides in the movie because of the movie, you know, yep. you know, but, uh, it was the first $100 million film produced and, wow. uh, that's right. You know, right. I, and it had all the cutting edge uh, special effects too. Oh yeah, I all, mean, that, all that CGI. Uh, yeah, the liquid oh. guy, the T one thousand, all of it is. Uh, it still holds up. I mean, the thing just got converted to four K and was shown in three D, and and they fixed a couple of the little things in the film, but overall, it completely holds up with the effects in it from nineteen ninety one. Great movie, cutting edge special effects, 
chase scenes, one-liners, you name it. It was a great book. You know, and the thing is, Sean, for me, I was thinking about this earlier, knowing we were going to talk about Arnold. No one has really stepped into his place. I know there was a time there in the late 90s when it was assumed that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, would be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and, And Arnold even made a cameo in one of the rocks films where he says, good luck. And it was, it was a nod to passing the torch, but to me, the rock has never gotten close to filling Arnold Schwarzenegger's shoes as an action star. And I don't know that we've really seen a star, maybe a Jason Statham, but no one has really defined action films the way Arnold did since Arnold, in my opinion. No, nobody's uh, Yep. No, you're, no, you're right. Uh, I know, um, Rock is the Rock is, uh, you know, he's got some pretty big uh, numbers when it when it comes to gross revenues and the films. But to me, Arnold is still the number one action film out there. Um, no, oh. nobody's really the. Everybody's second place. Um, yeah, I mentioned Steve is. Reeves earlier, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mentioned uh, Steve Reeves earlier, just to add a couple points on that. Now, now, Steve, the reason why I think Steve Reeves is the best bodybuilder of all time is, of course. Because he did it in the pre uh, pre steroid era, and you know that's what I call classic. He was he was natural because first of all, the steroids were invented in 1958 by John Ziegler. You know the Soviets were using testosterone back in '54, but Steve Reeves uh, won uh, in '47, Mister America, '48, Mister World, and 1950, Mister Universe. And that at the time was the number one bodybuilding title in the world. Um, he did a bit of movie making also. Like you said, he started, uh, actually his biggest films were, you know, the Hercules movies in 58, mm-hmm. 59. Um, his training was a little bit different too back then. He only used barbells, dumbbells, and his body weight. He never trained more than twice a day, uh, or sorry, tr- uh, two days in a row rather. And he, he kept his rest time to two minutes per set. So, you know, the Steve Reeves to me is a template if you want to train natural. Um, to me, he was the um, greatest bodybuilder of all time. And, you know, he probably had no real understanding of diet the way the guys do now. I mean, probably they didn't have the thought about eating six times a day, little small bills, chicken and rice only. That probably wasn't, I don't even know that that was quite a thing during Arnold's time. I think they just went and ate as much beef and stuff as they could. So... Really, no, Arnold. Arnold. Uh, they were definitely. They were definitely eating six six meals a day. I know that. Um, I studied some of his diet. Um, he was on high protein diet, moderate carbs, low fat, low sugar. Um, now, when the subject comes up about golden era steroid use, Arnold is. Uh, he's confessed to using some steroids during his uh, Mister Olympia reign. Mm-hmm. But you know, the steroids back then were typically uh, were, were Dianabol, Decad, Primabol, and testosterone. Winstrel and Anadrol. The bodybuilders know what I'm, what I'm talking about with, when I ram off those uh, steroids. And these are all dangerous str- drugs, but the thing is, uh, Scott, a lot of these golden era guys are still alive, or at least they, they lived to 70 or 80th birthday. Bill Pearl uh, lived to 91. Dave Draper, 79. Franco recently died. He was 78. Frank Zane, I think, is still alive, 81. And Arnold is 76, although Arnold, I think, had a heart transplant. So not a transplant he had a valve replaced yeah and and franco and franco drowned so you can't really say that that had would have had it and he lived a long time but you know steroids didn't seem to affect him in a way so 
Yeah, these guys just so probably, whatever, the guy, whatever they used, I don't think they used the tons of it that we see today. Well, they're probably using enough, but um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I think the drugs the guys are using in, in, in today's era are are are, are stronger, and, and plus the, the the they're using growth hormone with insulin on top of all the golden era the the steroids uh, that were and, and then there's a, there's a couple other steroids I want to I want to get into after maybe the next break. One of the most dangerous steroids out there, most popular, is Trembolin. And they actually invented this steroid for cattle. And this is the number one popular body uh, bodybuilding steroid out there. And, you know, it's not, un- it's not uncommon for guys to gain 15 to 20 pounds of muscle on a six to eight week cycle. So you can, you can tell, uh, you know, you can see why it would be very attractive to some people. But uh, the, the health consequences are just off the chart. I want to get into that maybe a bit later. Is this one that, that has only recently hit the market or something that's been abused for a while? I don't know exactly when it first became available uh, on the market. I'm going to say at least 20 years ago. Um you know, it actually is, is super dangerous. It actually increases your risk of heart disease. It increases your chance of prostate cancer. A lot of the guys are bald today because of trembling. 80s is the best era of bodybuilding. That's another good question. You know, to me, drugs aside, I think Bob Paris actually had the ultimate physique. I mentioned before I break. My all-time favorite bodybuilder was Steve Reeves because he was natural. But if you if you could somehow ignore the steroid use, I think uh, aesthetically, Bob Paris probably was the best bodybuilder. And of course, he was uh, a big part of the 80s. Um, yeah, he was awesome. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. He kind of later exposed his feelings about using the stuff, steroids, in his book. And on the internet, he's quoted as saying that uh, the, the chemical prep, uh, pre-contest prep, uh, preparation was actually dehumanizing. One of the reasons he got out of the sport. And that's actually why I got out. Also, I got, I quit bodybuilding when I was 24 years old. Uh, I didn't want to become a lifelong steroid user and die, die young. Um, Bob said a lot in his book, grow suit. I'm not sure if you, um, I've not read, read that. the it's book, kind of but man, the guy looked like a walking action figure. Like he was just absolutely carved to perfection. Uh, you know, I'm surprised he did not go farther in competition because he was really like, I'd say the modern day Frank Zane of the eighties, yeah, absolutely one of the best right up there with Arnold, in my opinion. Yeah. He quit when he's 31 years old. And uh, if you look at pictures, pictures of him now, he just looks like a normal guy. Yeah. You know, he's living with his partner up here in Canada, actually in Vancouver Island. And, uh, but like you said earlier, I think, uh, right at the top of the show, you said, um, that back, back in the day, back in the eighties, um, the look of the bodybuilders, it seemed achievable, you know, today sure. it's just off the charts. And, uh, for me though, Scott, I'm going to go back a bit further for me, the late seventies, the first, the first bodybuilder to inspire me was actually Lou Ferrigno, who started in the CBS uh, television series, incredible Hulk ran from 77, I think 82. You remember, uh, did you watch any of that stuff oh, when you were younger? Oh, heck yeah. I have all of the seasons <laughs> on DVD. And, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of stuff. I met Lou a couple of times and had lunch with him one time, actually, at a, at a show in Louisiana. And it's funny because he says the expectation and the pressure on him when he was making Incredible Hulk 
was just almost unobtainable. I mean, like they wanted him to be in contest shape and size all yeah. the time, but yet they also wanted him in the makeup trailer at three 30 in the morning and start getting painted green for the day. So, I mean, how do you work out? Yeah. How do you sleep? How do you rest? How, how do you eat like that to, to stay the Hulk? He said, it's all just almost impossible. Yeah, that would have been a real challenge. I can't imagine getting being in a trailer to get makeup and painting green at three thirty in the morning. Yeah, you know I mean, that was a good, that was a, that was a great show. Though. I remember, oh. <laughs> I remember racing home from school to watch that show, fighting with my sister. You know, we only had one TV. There was no DVDs, no VHS back then, or nothing. So if you missed the show, you missed it. So for me, that's really what got me interested in bodybuilding. Oh, uh, but uh, great show. You know, as mentioned. I was mentioning off air before the break here. Um, now, Venice Beach, of course, was the center of everything back in the day. It was the mecca of bodybuilding. I was actually there for a visit in 2006. And, um, you know, have you ever been down, actually, to Santa Monica? Yes. Check out Several times I've been down there. Yeah, it's very cool. Went to the outdoor gyms and everything you've seen in all of the photos. And, of course, it's kind of covered up with, I believe, homeless camps and stuff like that these days. But been down there and seen it. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's true. It's today, you know, it's just not the same. It seems a little run down now. Um, now, the original gold, of course, was at 65 Pacific Avenue, and that's actually where they uh, filmed Pumping Iron. And uh, 19, in the early 1980s, they um, they built the new golds and shut the old ones old one down. And like you said earlier, um, you know, sadly, there's a lot of homeless people living down there. So, you know, Muscle Beach, Venice Beach just uh, isn't uh, the same anymore. Kind of sad. It's not. I still see pictures of Arnold riding his bike down there and getting photos, you know, on Instagram in front of his, you know, the big mural of Arnold inside of the one of the walls. And that's kind of interesting. Yep. But to go down there and see it in person now is just nothing like it was, I'd say, even 20 years ago. Yep. So uh, yep. I wanted to ask you about, you know, in the 80s, the looks seemed achievable. How big can a person get, Sean, if they decide, I'm going to work out, and this is my New Year's resolution, I'm getting in shape, but I want to gain size. What? How much can you gain naturally not going down the route of steroids, and, and what kind of time frame do you need? Yeah, that's a good question. If I'm talking to somebody um, in their early, late teens, early 20s, that's your prime muscle building years. Not not saying you can't build after that, but. If you train natural, train correctly, hard, high intensity, uh, the first year you can expect to put on about 20 pounds of lean, lean body mass. If you're training correctly, by the second year, you can cut that in half, 10 to 12 pounds of lean body mass. By the third year, you can cut that in half, and so on. So it's a, it's a bit of a logarithmic scale downward. And that's the reason why a lot of guys get tempted to use steroids after the third or fourth year of training natural. That's what happened to me after, actually. And, uh, you know, I just started using this stuff for two and a half years, and then I quit for good. But I also remind guys, uh, Scott, that if you use steroids, any gains past your genetic limit, you will give back in time. You will keep the side effects, too. And, uh, you know, we mentioned some of those side effects uh, earlier. Yeah, I and, guess the uh, I don't worst one dying young is the number one worst one, obviously. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and there's no... No surprise we're going to say there's a growing list of pro bodybuilders who have not make it, made it to their 50th birthday. Uh, more recently, 2018, 
Uh, Mr. Olympia Sean Roden passed away when he's 46. Uh, Arnold Classic uh, a winner, uh, uh, Cedric McMillan. Uh, I think he won the show in 2017 or 2018. He passed away 44. And a real shocker, Dallas McCarver, who came second in that show, died when he's 26. You know, I'm really sad. Some of these guys are dying really young, and they're dying mostly of heart disease. And um, you know, it's, you get permanent heart damage when you are a long-term uh, steroid and um, um, performance and drug, uh, p- p- performance-enhancing drug user. You know, it's really sad. It's sad because you got all these top competitors dying. They're 46, 44. You know, if they were baseball players or football players, Congress would be having some hearing about it. But bodybuilding just doesn't seem to have the focus and the spotlight that the other major, you know, athletics do. And and it just continues to go on. It just goes and goes. You know, the latest one, 44 years old, you know, guy just won the Arnold, whatever, dies. You know, it's it's like nothing happens. You know, it just keeps going. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, the human machine wasn't designed for this abuse, injecting steroids and GH insulin and synthol into a healthy body. I mean, just for a show, just, just to get Instagram followers. Are you kidding me? You know, and uh, I, I try to warn guys on uh, Facebook, Instagram and shows like this, YouTube, you know, when you start messing with your body's cardiovascular system and endocrine system, you know, you're asking for trouble. You know, the, you know to me, Scott, the, the human body, you know, is the most amazing of all God's creation. You know, we see the intricate design, cardiovascular, muscular, skeletal, digestive, all put together, you know, all system working together. You know, the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we're made in God's image. So I try to warn people, bodybuilders, you know, we need to respect that. And But uh, guys continue to do what they do. And, um, you know, it's just a heavy price to pay. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. So the first Mr. Olympia yeah, yeah. was back in 65. Who who won that and how big was he compared to what goes on today? Like somebody wins today. Yeah, 60, 65. Um, let me think. Larry Scott. Larry Scott was about 5'7". I think he weighed 200 pounds. And he was the first Mr. Olympia uh, contest winner back then. Now guys are 40, 50, 60 pounds heavier, same height. So the question is, What's changed? The science changed. The the, the drugs changed, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that the guys are training any smarter. They're, they're training harder because the drugs allow them to train harder. So, you know, guys are spending, like we said earlier, some of these guys will spend up to $100,000 a year on um, all their supplements, including all the drugs. You know, so there, there's, there's a drug problem in, in post sports, no question. Oh, no question about it. Hey, Sean, I'm always thankful that you uh, – help me by coming out on the show and, and covering the latest in bodybuilding and all the things you're into and where can people go and listen to you on other podcasts and other shows? I know you're on numerous ones across the country and Canada. No, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me on today. And, uh, you know, I look for a lot of, a lot of my recorded shows on YouTube. Just type in my name, S H A W N M A V S. You can check me out also at bodybuilding, uh, bodybuilding.com. I wrote an article for them, a fitness magazine. And uh, some of the U.S. and Canadian stations uh, periodically, and including this one, 103.7 The Buzz. Great to be here today. Man, thank you so much. Sean Mays, we'll see you guys next Saturday on 103.7 The Buzz at 9 a.m. It's Guatney Unplugged, brought to you by Guatney Buick GMC.